1: Listen to cold blooded The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in LA, and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know.
4: Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
3: My name is Noel. They call me Ben, you are you, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Now, we are looking at a developing situation, and in the past, guys, we've been hesitant to cover things like as they're unfolding, because a peek behind the curtain here, of course, and our super producer, Paul Decken will agree with us, hopefully, I'm sure, I'm, I'm looking at his body language. Oh, he's he's wishy-washy. He's either. hedging. He's hedging. He's hedging his bets. I respect that. Um, we we feel uh, just terrible if we report on something that is occurring in the news, right? And by the time our episode comes out, the situation is completely changed. Because, yeah. like,
5: uh, spoiler, you guys, this is not live. Correct. Right. We did this like a week ago.
4: The good thing about this specific topic is that the occurrence Mm -hmm. happened in 1963. So that makes it a little easier. Fifty plus years of history that we can cover, and then bring in some of this new stuff that actually occurred around 1963.
3: Yeah, and you know we don't want to be old beans. That's I'm I'm (laughs) I'm saying that now. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think it's working. I think it's going to work. Old
5: beans? Yeah. I don't know. When?
3: Well, write it and let us know. All right.
4: Are they moldy or just stale? Like it's just like
3: I'm using it as like a just a, a term, a figure of speech. You guys are skeptical about bag of badgers, but that took off. That it did really did. Off. It's true. Okay. What are we
5: talking about today? Can we get to the thing for crying out loud?
3: Yes. Uh, let's, let's start with the facts of brass tacks. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated on november twenty second, nineteen sixty three, at about twelve thirty in the afternoon in Dallas, Texas, while they were riding in a presidential motorcade. And in uh the probably the biggest understatement of mm-hmm. our entire show, uh, all hell broke loose.
4: Yeah, it's true. And then you fast forward several decades, and there's a survey by a site called Mm 538.com, and they found that only 33% of the people responding actually believe the findings of the official Warren Commission. That's the one that concluded in 1964 that the lone gunman Lee Harvey Oswald was responsible for the death of President Kennedy.
3: And today... 61% of the U.S. public believe that at least one other person was involved.
4: Yes, not just a single gunman.
5: So you guys know I'm kind of a Kennedy novice. Can you catch me up on the Warren Commission?
4: Sure. Uh, the Warren Commission. Uh, we've talked about this before on the show. Officially it's known as the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, which, I don't know, I feel like one too many presidents in there, but that's fine. I, I didn't name the Can same. you
5: make it into an acronym for me? That helps me digest it a little better. Ben? Oh, the T-P-C-O-T-A-O-P-K. That no, <laughs> was better before. Go on now.
4: Anyway, it was formed by uh, the president that immediately followed uh, pr- the the president's death.
3: Lyndon Johnson. Correct. Who, by the way, was a real pill. Apparently he was a
4: pill. A lot of accusations have been made about him and his involvement with the assassination of JFK mm-hmm. over the years. Uh, we have not found any of them to be uh, completely true, but there are some juicy details in there.
5: But has a very pleasant sounding name when you say the initials LBJ. It's very mellifluous. It is. Uh, I just what well, you know there was a thing listeners,
3: friends and neighbors that uh, Lyndon Johnson used to do what was called the Johnson treatment. He mm. would get in people's faces, like grab them by their lapels, mm. f- foreheads inches away. He uh, followed one guy into a bathroom, yeah. busted into the stall. Yikes,
4: that wouldn't fly today.
3: Yeah, while he was doing his business.
4: Mm. Well, he's a large gentleman as well, uh, very tall and imposing. Bit of a bull in a China shop kind of scenario. Yeah.
5: Absolutely. So what did old LBJ do? Uh,
4: okay, so he formed the President's Commission on the assassination of President Kennedy on November 29th, 1963, just a few days after mm-hmm. President Kennedy was shot. And it was all – the whole reason to have this was to investigate what happened on that day.
3: Right, because people wanted answers, and the commission acted as quickly as they could. To this day, you can read their full report.
5: Mm-hmm. Well – yeah. Their quote-unquote full report. There we go. All of Thank the you.
4: information that was given to but the like Warren Commission.
5: Quickly in government time isn't like days, right? I mean, this this, this report likely took many months to Yeah, December yeah. This right. is
3: not quickly in people time. It's yeah. quickly in government time. So they were racing to determine whether there was any truth, any sands to the multitudinous rumors surrounding this assassination. And the commission eventually concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone under his own power, Mm -hmm. no assistance from uh, any criminal organization. Intelligence agencies. Any shady dude. Or uh, foreign government. Or foreign government, that's very important. And that Jack Ruby, the man who would later assassinate Oswald had no previous relationship with that guy either. So Jack Ruby, apparently, the, well, story lone was, yeah, the story was that the lone gunman was killed by a lone gunman and nothing is related, nothing to see here, folks. Yeah, no, uh, none
4: of the conspiracies you've been reading about or mm-hmm. anyone's been saying in papers or these weird rumors, none of that's true.
3: Please continue with your regularly scheduled programming. And when... When the, when the three of us started this show, one of the things that we wanted to do was to explore the stuff on the fringes, right? And, and we stay away from the JFK assassination, because there has already been so much work done on it, right? And yes. And there's Oliver nothing. Oliver
4: Stone comes in and makes a movie and then a whole bunch of other conspiracy theories.
3: Back into the left. Yeah. yeah. And nothing, you know, nothing we would have found would have been new news. It would have been old beans. Oh, boy. I'm not giving up on it. Yeah. All right. I'm telling I, I, you I guys, it's going to
5: work. I respect your
3: commitment no, to Paul's the No, Paul's saying no.
4: <laughs> See, nobody gets old beans yet, but that's just because this episode hasn't come out.
3: I'm a, I'm, I'm telling you guys, invest now, get in on the ground floor of these uh, various catchphrases. So, the commission, uh, the commission
5: has a
3: quote where they they sum up this relationship.
5: Quote. The commission made intensive inquiry into the backgrounds and relationships of Oswald and Ruby to determine whether they knew each other or were involved in a plot of any kind with each other or others. It was unable to find any credible evidence to support the rumors linking Oswald and Ruby directly or through others. The commission concluded that they were not involved in a conspiratorial relationship with each other or with any third party, end
4: quote. And there is some very important information that we'll get to towards the close of this show. Mm -hmm. To discuss specifically what may have been uh, held to the chest uh, to some of the intelligence agencies and mm-hmm. not given to the Warren Commission specifically,
3: right? So it, it, they're doing their best. The yes, people on the Warren Commission are doing their best. Uh, I hate to steal a line from Beauty and the Beast, but uh, the typical conspiracy stuff you'll go you're going to hear about the JFK assassination might as well be tale as old as time at this point. However, very recently. There were documents, files, uh, a, a, a plethora – and I am using that word correctly – of files uh, pertaining to the assassination that were classified for decades. And again, like in the past couple weeks mm-hmm. as we record this, as Noel pointed out earlier, uh, this is a bit of a time travel experience whenever you're listening to a podcast. Uh,
4: we're in early November when we're recording this. It's November? It's November.
5: What year is it? Only just. Okay. Year of our Lord, 2017. Oh, whoa, the whole time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah, All year
3: long. Here we are then. Uh, so recently, uh, several of these documents, a plethora of these documents were released, were declassified. And for years, people who do not believe the official story or the findings of the Warren Commission have been, um, have been convinced that there will be some sort of great revelation that, that comes forth, right, in the public eye. I
4: have to put myself in that camp. Yeah. Honestly, because we've talked about these uh, records being released by the past, at least two presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when there's a date that comes up that's essentially, hey, if the president decides, uh, he or she can release these documents. Mm-hmm. And every time that has happened up until this year, they have said, uh no, we're we're not going to release the documents.
3: Yeah, something something always comes up.
4: Yes. So there is this thing, this act that Congress passed called the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act, which uh, they passed in 1992. Bush senior, yes. Uh yes, George Bush, uh, George H.W. Bush, that is a uh, George W. Bush's father. Um Got to do the voice, dude. Yeah. Do
5: the voice. You were doing On the a, voice off air. It was so
3: good.
4: <laughs> well, um uh on October 26, 1992, my daddy passed uh, uh this act. He signed it and um it uh, the final release date cuz it's 50, 50 years <laughs> after yeah, is yeah. Uh, uh October 26, 2017. Hey. Yeah. So uh that that was a date that uh the current president used to release these documents.
3: Uh Mr. President, Mr. President, uh question from the front. Hi uh Bimble and stuff they want you to know. Uh what does this collection consist of?
4: I'm going to call you Old Beans. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's let's jump back into uh, real world, Matt. So I could uh, I just need to go through some of this. Sure. What is? But what's in this collection? Okay. So this collection, um, it's basically all of the intelligence agencies and federal government organizations and agencies in the U.S. They got all the documents relating to the assassination of JFK, and they collected them all, and they sent them over to the National Archives. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in this collection, it's approximately five million pages of records.
5: Jeez, like printed pages?
4: Yeah, we're we're talking Indiana Jones style vault, just Top going men. all the way up to four yeah. stories or whatever. Oh. Um, 88% of these records are open and full.
3: So that's a, a huge amount of 5 million records. No one accidentally used a black highlighter
5: on well, them. Well, according – I don't think there's any such thing as a black highlighter. <laughs> it's an awesome Onion
3: article <laughs> where it says the uh, – where it's like FBI and CIA realized that they've been using
5: black highlighters <laughs> that's amazing. for I, decades. I love that. I'm so sorry. That's so wonderful.
4: So no black highlighters in 88%. In 11% of them, they're released in part with the black highlighters going
3: through. Which would be stuff like – Proper names. Yes. Addresses,
4: right? maybe, you know, it's usually proper names and proper places, specific places that would be like a little dangerous or numbers.
3: That's where you see stuff like blank met with blank. Approximately 1240 p.m. at blank. Yes. On this blank.
4: Exactly. And That's then exactly. they blanked.
3: Oh. Oh. About stuff. About blank. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah.
4: So then 1%, yeah. there's a remaining 1% of this 5 million pages that is identified as assassin related and they remain completely sealed mm. or at least up until this year
3: and there was a governing board that that made the call here so it uh, whenever we deal with government related documentation or filing mm-hmm. we run into all these dry names yeah. so here's another one the assassination records review board yep the ARRB no thanks buddy uh they uh they are the ones who said you have to you have to redact these do- these uh 11% documents mm-hmm. right
5: and then this 1%
4: nobody can see ever who do
5: you think they get to do the manual redacting? It has to be, it can't just be some intern. It has to be somebody clearance. at a pretty high level yeah, with high clearance. clearance, right? Yeah,
3: you have to have at that level uh, compartmentalized but clearance. What a
5: crappy, kind of sloggy job. Can you imagine just having to go through thousands of pages and just like mm-hmm. X stuff out?
3: But I'm, I'm sure it's yeah. very process oriented.
5: And I bet it's viewed as highly important. I, I I can imagine. No, I, I think I think you're right. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to diminish it. I just mean yeah. like in terms of process, what a yeah. drag. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um and that
4: agency the uh it was a temp agency. It just it was there for a time and then it went away after it fulfilled its job. Are you
5: talking about Arb?
4: Yeah, Arb only lasted from 1994 to 1998. Interesting. And according to the act itself that Congress passed, um all the records that would that were previously withheld, the 1% and the 11% percent mm. All of those records should be released on October 26, 2017 unless further authorized by the president of the United States.
3: Which for mean, withholding.
4: Yes, for withholding. So unless the president decided or was told to uh, decide to not uh, release these documents.
3: Ooh, slippery slope, my friend. Right? Right. Which
4: happened, again, previously at the other uh, little – what do you call them? The road uh, – The markers, the other markers where it could have been released or at least in part.
3: Sure. Yeah. And this, as as you said, Matt, was signed by uh, President George H.W. Bush, Mm -hmm. who was just in the studio with us a moment ago Uh, on October 26, 1992. uh, In July of 2017, the National Archives released almost 4000 mm-hmm. records right that included stuff from the FBI and the CIA and some were some had been withheld in full in the past and some mm-hmm. were released redacted and I, I got to tell you ladies and gentlemen friends and neighbors the three of us spend a lot of time reading these terrible scans from like the vault the yes. FBI vault uh where you can you can see someone has made some scribbled notes Mm -hmm. in the margins and gone over uh gone over it to black out different parts of things and they're they're tough to read. You know? It's it's uh
5: it's a pain to read Yeah, because it it removes all this context, I mean too. I mean like there's so much redacted that it literally strips it of Largely any meaning, you know, I mean, it's very frustrating.
4: Yeah, and not to mention you're dealing with intelligence agencies that are making these, uh, producing these documents and a lot of times there are like crypto, cryptograms or there are, uh, anagrams, like there, there are weird, there's weird stuff that goes on in some of these documents. Not to
5: mention they're already pretty dry.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this,
3: the banality of evil aside, mm-hmm. which is what I'm going to categorize a lot of this redaction stuff as. Uh, the banality of evil aside, right? Uh the inactions of good people aside, uh there is still a, a struggle to release this information. Yes. Whatever it might contain, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people wondered whether there would be some smoking gun, whether there would be some sort of memo from, you know, 1962 where one uh, one intelligence operative says to another, "Hey, I just got off the phone with uh so and so and they said that it's going down in Dallas," you know? Yeah. That is not the case. There's some stuff that's kind of
4: close to that, but it's not It's not that specific. And that wasn't the only release. That that July release was actually jumping the gun a bit on that October 26, 2017 date because on the actual date, the National Archives released another almost 3,000 documents, which is huge. And this included a bunch of other stuff that they also released uh, that was pertaining to that assassination records review board. A lot of the uh emails well they're emails from nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety eight, so I wonder what that even looked like. A lot uh, of,
3: like forward, forward, forward. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, I don't know. But they released uh fifty-two thousand plus emails and uh o- almost seventeen thousand files from the from that review board that mm-hmm. actually decided what was gonna be redacted and not. And then On November 3rd, just a few days ago, there was another release from the National Archives of 676 records. And this was uh, central intelligence stuff that were previously denied entirely.
3: The CIA stuff, yeah. Yeah,
4: the the CIA stuff. And you also have Department of Justice, Department of Defense, House Select Committee on Assassinations, and even stuff from the National Archives, like a single document.
3: (laughs) So what does this all mean? You can also, uh, I think that was excellent review of the chronology of this. Uh, you can, by the way, uh, take a, take a line from Matt and view all these files yourself. You can read along. Yeah, you can read along if you are, uh, if you are willing to again put up with some poor quality reproduction. Yeah. Some scrawled notes and margins and a lot of, uh, A lot of missing pieces, right? It's a
4: grueling journey if you want to go on it. But I really do think it's worth seeing the history.
3: Mm -hmm. And the big question is to what end? Does this matter? Was there anything worth reading in there? We will tell you after a quick word from our sponsors, assuming we don't get assassinated during the break.
2: As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back,
4: and I think we'll just jump right in with a couple of selected articles. Uh, a lot of these come from various news sources because we've kind of had to go through and research Via the news with all of the official researchers who are going through all this stuff. Yeah, um, there there's a gentleman being interviewed on CBS. That I was watching just before we went in the studio and he said he has this massive team of researchers and interns and all these people going through the documents. And he says. They've been working on it since that July release, and they've gotten through about 8% of the
5: newly released wow. documents. Why didn't we sick our team of interns and researchers on that? Uh,
4: well, I mean, we I guess we could have. We don't have one. We just sicked ourselves on it, which, you know, it's that's fine.
3: Uh, so we went to all the uh, top, top-notch top news sources that you're familiar with. Yes. Uh, Daily Mail, Teen yep. Vogue. National Enquirer. Uh-huh. Teen Vogue has been killing it lately, by the way.
4: I know, really. I'm not seriously. kidding. I'm not kidding. Like <laughs>
5: seriously good journalism coming out of Teen Vogue. <laughs> I don't know. We're not. Oh, uh, we did we did look around. And that's why Honestly,
4: what, can't tell if he's joking.
5: I'm not. <laughs> it's true. The, it's, ask
4: anybody. She's okay.
3: Yeah. All right. See? And you're probably wondering cuz we are moving a little quickly on this stuff. You're you're probably thinking, "Matt, no, Ben, you uh you guys obviously just checked with someone off mic about Teen Vogue. Got the
5: cosign. Yeah. You got the cosign. Who is this mystery person? Uh, it is our new co-worker Kathleen Quillian who is sitting in with super producer Paul um, helping to engineer this session. Yes, so, and she's going to play
4: a big part in the Stuff Media family very soon, right? Uh,
3: yes, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. So welcome, Kathleen. Spoiler yeah, alert. Welcome, welcome. So – Point being, the point remains that when you're looking at this sort of stuff, it is paramount to investigate every single news source you can find. Yes, you should, regardless of whatever your starting point may be, ideologically, um, experientially, etc. Mm-hmm. You owe it to yourself to check as many things, especially things that come from places that you might disagree with. you yeah. got to get a lay of the land. you got to exactly. kind of
5: be your own aggregator, too, and it's like because you know this is the kind of stuff where there are going to be it's going to be mired in various opinions on one yes. side or the other, so you kind of get the full picture. It's best to kind of like have a broad spectrum of material, which is what we tried to do, what Matt largely tried to do. This is his baby right here. Yeah, yeah Matt's our bloodhound on this well, one.
4: Well, and I actually found, um, just going to let everybody know, I found a CNN article mm-hmm. that was the, in my opinion, the best kind of middle ground for all the sources I had been finding, everything from The Intercept to The Guardian and just everything in between, the Fox News, uh, the CNN article hit the main, I guess the main documents that I found to be pertinent. Does that make sense?
5: It does. Give it to us.
4: Okay. Uh, so the first document it involves a, a telephone call that was intercepted on September 28th, 1963, allegedly from Lee Harvey Oswald, to a KGB agent in Mexico City. This is a good one. Oh, yeah. So uh, this memo from the day of Kennedy's assassination, um, it talks about this call that was intercepted to the Russian embassy in Mexico. He spoke to the consul uh, uh, that I'm not going to try and pronounce the name. Valery
3: Vladimirovich Kostikov. Yes. Dang, dude. Well done.
4: This was an identified KGB officer, and uh, this gentleman was speaking in uh, broken Russian.
3: <laughs> can I, can I interject here? Yes. Uh, there is, there is one, um oddly, I hesitate to use the word funny, but mm-hmm. I, I think it is funny. There is one odd side note. In this, in this conversation, Oswald insisted that the conversation, uh, be held in Russian. Yes. And his Russian was cartoonishly bad. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, It's like, like on the level of saying, uh, bonus nachos instead of buenas noches if you you. speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. And to the point where the KGB folks were like having difficulty understanding him and probably going, do you mind if we speak (laughs) English? And he's, and he's like,
4: (laughs) "Yet." But it seems like perhaps they knew there was some, you know, some eavesdropping going on and Mm -hmm. maybe that was one of the reasons. But again, you're speaking to a console. At the Russian embassy in Mexico, and you're going to speak Russian, so I don't know. Maybe it's just, I guess, to hide amongst all the other conversations that occurred sure. that day.
3: Sure, sure. And the uh, the person who wrote the memo uh, said that or relayed the belief on the FBI's part that Oswald was trying to get out, right? He was trying to get yes. to the USSR.
4: Yes. Uh, or you know, or somewhere else. Who knows exactly? We want to get a visa, right? For some reason. Uh, possibly even to get into Cuba and this whole trip that uh, Lee Harvey Oswald took to Mexico City very uh, close to when the assassination occurred – is one of those things that just has a ton of conspiracy theories surrounding it.
3: And rightly so. Yeah. I mean, that's completely understandable, especially because the uh US government spent quite a lot of uh blood, sweat and tears time uh trying to convince people otherwise. Yes. And now all of a sudden the story has changed. It's you like, know? "Oh
4: wait, we did know he was in Mexico City." And they're like, ah, we did and we didn't. Well, we did and we didn't. Well, yeah, and, and especially when you bring into account the tumultuous relationship that the U.S. had with Cuba. Right. Especially right around that time mm-hmm. and specifically involving President Kennedy.
3: So uh what's next? I, I really appreciate that you mentioned Cuba here.
4: Exactly. There's a cable from the FBI in 1967, and it's just a cable, so it's like a – I don't know, something that well, – you, can you explain cables really fast? We talked about these before. It's like uh, a telegram kind of? Or? It's just a, almost just a quick communication kind of thing coming like from an operative or from um, a diplomat or something. Uh, it's A lot of times you'll hear hear cables used with diplomatic communication. Right. A
3: cable will uh, – depending on the context, a cable can function as a straight point A to point B thing mm-hmm. that is not going to be vulnerable – in theory vulnerable to the same sort of surveillance techniques that could be used uh in a a traditional letter or something happening over an open line mm-hmm. so it's very much like a telegram but the thing is with a telegram for instance you know um johnny johnny q <laughs> public could with the right equipment just tune in and then also hear whatever's happening right uh so a cable is supposed to be a little bit uh I, not like Leak-proof, but leak-resistant. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leak-resistant, more secure. And that's why you hear the folks at WikiLeaks. Uh, Julian Assange, is he still locked up?
5: I think locked he up? is. I think he's still just doing the, doing the treadmill at the embassy. You know? Yeah,
3: okay. Well, WikiLeaks, you know, lives on cables, right? Mm-hmm. Reporting cables. And I bring that up to point out Again, that cables are in theory more secure.
5: And surely, I would think that the cable—the term "cable"—probably doesn't mean the same thing as today as it did then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, it just confirmed. It looks like it just refers to a confidential text message. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe today it might just be some kind of encrypted person-to-person communication.
4: Ah, see, and now on the document itself, in big bolded type, it says "sent by coded teletype."
3: Ah, nice. So there you
4: go. Okay. So what happened? Oh, uh, so this was talking about a Cuban gentleman who was being interrogated. Um, There's a lot to go through with this one document for this tiny little thing. But anyway, uh, this gentleman who was being interrogated um, was asked about whether or not uh, Oswald was a good shot. Like, just, hey, is he, you know, is he mm-hmm. good with a rifle? Is he a good sniper? Mm-hmm. And um, the gentleman replied, oh, he was quite good. And then when, you know, he was further asked, like, well, why would you say that? And this gentleman said, well, I knew him,
3: the this Cuban Cuban
4: officer. So yeah.
3: well, that's that's another interesting thing because – you will find a lot of experts and people who spend their entire careers researching just this one day in Dallas in yeah. 1963. Uh, they believe that Oswald was actually a terrible shot. And a lot of his, the evidence indicates that he was – he was not the, uh, the world's best sniper.
4: And then you'll find opposing evidence or opposing people with the opposing view that he was actually an, an amazing crack shot. Right. So
5: maybe one of those theories implies that he was some kind of stooge or, uh, Patsy, or Patsy a fall guy or whatever.
4: Mm-hmm. Or was in communication with Cuba or the Soviet Union via Cuba. And it goes. He was on. amazing. It's like, it's crazy.
3: It goes on. So, uh, remember what we said at the top. The official, uh, Warren Commission conclusion was that Jack Ruby mm-hmm. acted, acted alone, right? And, uh, just did what he saw as his patriotic duty. I'm killing the guy who killed the president. Yeah. You know, instant karma's gonna get you, etc. Someone, it turns out, as this was revealed in these classified files, uh, someone called the FBI threatening to kill Lee Harvey Oswald a day before
5: his murder. Wow. So a document um, from November 24th of 63 indicated that J. Edgar Hoover um, actually addressed Oswald's death, specifically referencing that it was at the hands of Jack Ruby. And the quote goes as follows. Quote, there is nothing further on the Oswald case except that he is dead. Ouch. Ouch, Hoover. Hoover then indicated that agents in the FBI's Dallas field office received a call from a gentleman uh, speaking in a very calm tone Mm -hmm. who claimed to be a member of a committee that was responsible for... Oswald's assassination.
4: Or uh, there were a committee that wanted to kill Oswald.
3: Hello. I am a member of a committee of concerned patriots. And we want you to know that as patriots, we are planning to kill the assassin of John F. Kennedy. Thank you for your time.
4: All right, then. Going to log that call.
3: Uh, (laughs) So this uh this situation develops further, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into, of course, we're getting into J. Edgar Hoover, that
5: creep. Mm-hmm. Why is he a creep? He's a creepy dude. Are you serious? I know. I know. I just, why do you think he's a creep?
3: Uh, Because he killed Martin Luther King Jr., pretty obviously.
5: Whoa, dude. I've never heard you that resolute about something like that.
3: Well, he okay, sorry. He didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. But he ran he, – he ran – active and illegal campaigns against uh, against people that he saw as a threat to his version of the status quo. I know he he
5: didn't he like have files on like John Lennon even. Yeah. And like he was basically responsible for tailing anyone he saw. You like talking about COINTELPRO? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Racist,
3: ultranationalist uh power mad.
5: Unelected. I knew all of that, but you used the term creep. I thought you meant he, you know.
4: <laughs> so anyway, the FBI at this point contacted the Dallas police just to reiterate to them, hey, somebody just called us and was really, really creepy on the phone talking about how they want to kill Oswald. Just do us a favor and protect him, like really protect him, please. OK?
3: Yeah. And they said, yeah, we'll we'll totally do that. And they did not. Yeah.
4: Uh, quote, Ruby says no one was associated with him and denies having made the telephone call to our Dallas office last night.
3: That's something Hoover said. And Hoover went on to say that the FBI had evidence of Oswald's guilt and intercepted communication he had with Cuba and the Soviet Union. Oh, boy. Uh, Hoover went on to say he was concerned that there would be doubt in the public sphere about Oswald's guilt and that President Johnson would uh, appoint a commission to investigate the assassination. Which he did. Which that actually did happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, Whew. yeah, however, uh, I think at this point it's important for us to note uh, something we've mentioned on the show before. And yes. It's a, it's a fascinating thing about the evolution of the, the phrase, the thought terminating cliche conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. So in the wake of the assassination, uh, US intelligence agencies sent uh, confidential memos Uh, to various media institutions of note, like New York Times, Chicago Papers, San Francisco, etc. And they said, look, here's the story. Here's the official story. If anyone says something different, uh, make sure to, make sure to dismiss it and make sure to call it, quote, a conspiracy theory.
4: It's the originating place of this.
3: Right, and that's how it entered the um, mainstream lexicon of the United States, and that's why you have to be very careful, you know, like, we live in a world where there's an information glut, and it's very, very easy for someone to go make a website that purports to be uh, some sort of legit news source, Mm -hmm. right, and then just write all kinds of cockamamie stuff, right, but got to be very careful when you hear everybody and I mean everybody in the West calling something a crazy conspiracy or calling a person a conspiracy theorist. Right. Or shutting this stuff down because, you know, all right, I feel like I have to do the rent just briefly, just briefly, just briefly. Dude, okay. yeah, we've got like two more hours in the studio, right? We're good. <laughs> okay, sorry. But just briefly, <laughs> just briefly, it is it is a lack of critical thinking to say that anything called a conspiracy theory is automatically um is is automatically bull poop. Yeah. Right? Because we're a family show. So you know, saying that saying that, for instance, the um the royal family of the United Kingdom is descended from some secret race of half reptilian alien half human hybrids is that that would be called a conspiracy theory right Shout I hope out. so. Shout out to David Ike. Okay. But then people are also calling it a conspiracy theory to say that uh, international banks are laundry money for drug cartels. Well, it's like the
5: whole use of like fake news right now. You know, I there mean, all stories and theories are not created equal. And especially when a term is applied as like a term of abuse or like a diminutive, that's when things start getting sketchy. So it's like a conspiracy theory versus a fringe notion or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, when you t- when you apply that term, it seems to to large, large proportions of the population discount the idea, you know, whole... Sure. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And that's but, a mistake. Yeah. And, you know, I really appreciate you bringing up the, the fake news concept, because you're absolutely right. Psychologically, we, our species, are built to seek classification, right? To seek hierarchy, to seek order, uh, which means that it's very, very convenient to uh wrap everything up in a symbolic phrase and throw that phrase in as a shortcut to critical thinking.
5: Yeah, It's like, I like jazz, but I don't like fusion. You're always saying that.
3: So, now we're already in the thick of it. We're finding out from these released files uh, that at least several things, at least in a few cases, the things that the Warren Commission and the U.S. at large were saying Turned out not to be true. They don't
5: quite mm. jive. Do they, they don't
3: quite jive. Mm. No, there's no fusion. There's just jazz.
4: So let's insert right here, if you haven't already listened to our episode on, or maybe watched our video, I don't know if we have an episode on it, on uh, the central intelligence agencies and the US government's plans and tactics to assassinate Fidel Castro of Cuba. Because you need to, you need to get that information right now.
5: We did do a video on that. Yeah, yeah.
4: Pause, go watch that video, then come back. Well, maybe if you're driving, just hang out. Should we just uh, go to an
5: ad break to give them time to do it?
4: Uh, we can,
3: yeah. What do you say? What better time than the present?
6: Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims.
5: I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects
4: a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times.
7: With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded...
3: And we've returned. Let's. Uh, you want to do a couple more specific files?
4: Yeah, we have to keep going. There's so much stuff here.
3: Right. I. I don't know. I candidly do not know if we were going to get to all of it. So we okay. do. We do want your help. After you listen to this episode, folks, if there's something that you feel your fellow listeners need to know about this release, please write to us and let us know, and we'll we'll put it on the air as well. So. The CIA did consider placing mafia hits on Castro.
4: Yeah, mafia hits. Mm -hmm. So they, now that you've listened or watched that video, you know that there were some crazy theories or some crazy plans brought up by the government and the United States to kill Fidel Castro, exploding
3: cigars, weird umbrellas, stuff in wetsuits that was
5: poisoning them. Exploding poison cigars, him. yes, yeah. yeah, like from like the novelty store. Yeah. Well, but 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 the more lethal, yeah, gotcha. But
4: really, crazy stuff that doesn't seem true. Right. In, uh, in the National Spy Museum, I think you can see some of right, that stuff. Right. There are a couple other places where you can find it, um, but this specifically was a uh, – the Rockefeller Commission, a document from 1975, and it was detailing the CIA's role in all kinds of foreign assassinations and specifically plans to assassinate Castro in the early days of the Kennedy administration. Mm. And the report said that Attorney General Robert Kennedy, the uh, brother of President JFK – Also
3: assassinated.
4: Yes. A whole other story, a whole series of episodes, but we'll get into that some other time. Uh, he told the FBI that he learned the CIA hired some intermediary, another person, a third party, to come through and approach Sam Giancana. Giancana. Does that sound familiar like to from you? from the Terminator
5: movies? No. Giancana?
4: <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, this was a prominent mafia person, a known mafia person at the time, with the proposition, they approached this guy saying, hey, we're going to pay you $150,000 to get somebody with either within your organization or somebody else to kill Castro in Cuba. Like, that's crazy. The government was going to hire mafia hitmen.
5: Well, I mean, it probably like, you know, it gives them plausible deniability, right? I mean, if if it's not like, if it's someone that's completely not not connected to the government. Oh, yeah.
4: Sure. In this case, it would probably be layer upon layer upon layer if you're talking about, the government hiring a mafia guy to hire some other guys,
5: and
3: I know that 150 grand doesn't sound like a, a really big amount of money.
5: Oh, to, but but to, today, right? That'd be right like, today. It's yeah.
3: Uh, today. Yeah, I did the inflation calculation mm-hmm. work on this. Uh, it's it's about 1.2 million dollars.
4: Wow! I'd do a hit for that. Well, <laughs> what? Well, here's the, here's the problem. Don't sit, don't ever say that.
5: I'm sorry. I'm, uh, I, I redact that.
4: Here, here's the issue. <laughs> the attorney general, Robert Kennedy, had been trying to prosecute this gentleman. He, he, you know, he's a Sicilian mobster. They've got files on him. They've been trailing him. They've been tracking him. They've sure. been listening to him. They've been trying to get him on something big. And if the government is going to pay him that much money to go do an assassination, it makes the state's case or the the, you know the government's case a little bit harder to prosecute um Quote, Attorney General Kennedy stated that CIA should never undertake the use of mafia people again without first checking with the Department of Justice. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't check. That's the you thing. You gotta just check with in DOJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just
3: check in because it would be difficult to prosecute such people in the future. But uh, that's so weird, though. They didn't say never do this. No, they just said, guys, just check in. You gotta, okay, you
5: gotta ask your dad first. <laughs> ask your dad first. Yeah, but and, it was
4: Robert Kennedy, so it was like. Uh, I, uh, the report also said that the CIA was later interested in using mobsters to deliver a poison pill to Castro, uh, to order to kill him. <laughs> in Cuba.
3: Uh, you got, you know, that was, that was fantastic. And I feel like there's a little bit of, uh, President Obama influence in there. At oh, the end. there was the, yeah, yeah uh, the cadence. Mm, yeah. I think you were. I think Matt is just owning this. You these just got a promotion, my friend. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Matt, Whoa. Am I the personator in
5: chief? Yes. Awesome. Yeah,
3: so uh pretend to be president and okay. call the CIA for us and get this sorted out. Okay. Good? Okay, well we're done here. Everybody have a great week. No, uh continuing though on this, this one thing that's hugely uh important about this point in specific is that this sort of um contradictory uh, this contradictory set of pursuits by various government agencies, this situation where the left hand does not know what the right hand is doing, lends a lot of credence and gives a lot of sand to the claims that intelligence agencies in the U.S. and in other countries function as their own independent governments.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And then you imagine that these independent governments – You know, in their own functionings, sometimes doing the same work or at least overlapping, sometimes just doing vastly different stuff. Mm -hmm. But is there anyone in charge when you think about the government that we've elected, the for the people, by the people democracy that we have in this country? Like (laughs) you've got these operating hands, if you will,
5: and this Mm -hmm. octopus. Mm -hmm. Like where is the head? I don't think it's the elected officials. Well, this is a point that if you cut off one head, it grows somewhere else, that there's so many heads that you don't know which one's the real head.
4: Oh, my God. What is happening?
5: I
3: am seriously, I am waiting. At, at some point, I, you know, I know not everybody loves Marvel movies, but at some point I'm hoping that a stranger, like, shakes my hand and, like, whispers, Hail Hydra. Mm. You know, you should just start doing that with people. I can't do it. No, no, that'll go over real well at parties. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, it's like you can't give yourself a nickname. You can't be oh. the one who goes up to people and says "Hail Hydra." So oh, I, I got you. Well, you like
4: know. start it. Start the conversation and be like, "Hey, did you hear Taylor Swift's new stuff? Man, I was jamming on it all day." Hail,
5: <laughs> so, sorry. Not, to, not to derail too much but i saw this great meme this morning where it was squidward from uh, spongebob and it was yeah, like yeah. split screen where it's like his eyes closed and it says you when you're asleep and realize taylor swift's new album comes out at midnight and the next yeah. frame was the same his eyes still closed. <laughs> my wife is paul shaking stoked. his head because he was stoked about it mm-hmm. <laughs> the single tear Oh my gosh!
4: Oh, and Maria Bamford's uh, new show or the second season comes out too. Check La- it La- 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 out, La- La- Netflix, everybody! Right. It's awesome. Yeah, it's good. Okay, plugging other shows and albums. Over. Yes.
3: Well, it's important. <laughs> 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 it, it, we, it, this is important stuff, you know, and we are we are very conscious that this kind of sifting through archival information can be dry, right? Yeah, and we also acknowledge that we're talking about stuff that has dangerous implications in the present day Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're We're trying to keep our chins up about it, but the, uh, the situation is dire as we record this.
4: And there are a ton more documents that we didn't discuss. I mean, literally thousands. And each of them probably has a tiny little story to tell. And that's why we're encouraging you to go in and do some of the research yourself or at least sift through the news sites. Well, let's,
3: we're not even to the crazy part. Let's laundry list a couple. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, FBI director. And again, this is, this is a lot of Matt's research. And you need to Spot on job, man. Thank you so much. You got it. So, uh, FBI Director Hoover, right, forwarded a memo to the White House in 63, right after Kennedy's death. Mm-hmm. And it was, this memo was classified as top secret for years and it's, it's it's exploring the US intelligence agency's best guesses toward the Soviet Union's reaction. To the
4: assassination.
3: Yeah. And we have a quote here. According to our source, officials of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union believe that there was some well-organized conspiracy on the part of the ultra-right in the United States to effect a coup. They seem convinced that the assassination was not the deed of one man but that it arose out of a carefully planned campaign in which several people played a part.
4: Whoa. Now – Are they falling prey to the conspiracy theories? Are they spreading
3: propaganda? Because Mm. we do know after the assassination, the USSR did pretty effectively uh, capitalize on the opportunity to to spread dissent. And shout out to General Smedley Butler. We do know that there have been coup attempts in the United States. You're typically not going to read about them in your history books. Smedley Smedley S
5: M-E-D-L-E-Y. That sounds like a made-up name. I love it.
4: <laughs> speaking speaking of uh, uh my daddy, George H. W. Bush, his daddy, my grandpa, my grandpappy, uh, he's the guy who supposedly went through and decided to do the business plot. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? My daddy was a businessman. And and his daddy was a businessman. Well, my daddy was a CIA man. Uh
3: President President Bush? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming by. We're 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 in the middle of a show though. Oh well, I'm sorry. I'll just go in the corner and do some painting. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll be over here. Okay. Hey, can you sleep, Matt? Why
5: yeah. Do you, why do you keep bringing that guy to the Why scene? do you keep you know, letting him push you around like that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he just, deal. like, pushes you out of your chair. And... and then
3: does this
4: his little creepy laugh. I got to admit, when he was in office, I just, I know, it's okay.
5: I can hear you talking about me over there.
4: I know. Just give me two seconds. Okay. Um when he was in office,
3: I wasn't the biggest fan. But
4: afterwards, like, this guy is chill.
3: Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he
4: is so cool. He's just painting. He likes to go to games. Like, he likes to go to Braves games. Did
3: you know he can play the rhythm guitar part
5: for every 311 song? Dude, I've been trying to learn the piano. Did you know that amber is the color of his energy? <laughs> he keeps saying that.
3: <laughs> I feel like he thinks that that was his idea, but it's clearly a lyric from 311, right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, point B. Yes. Uh before we get too derailed. Uh these various these various pieces of information are coming out and in many cases if they are not contradicting the official mm-hmm. narrative, they are at the very least complicating it. Yes. You know. So, uh we have we have people who are saying, "Oh, never mind this uh, official stuff called all a conspiracy theory," but that then at the same time We are finding secret communiques between people where an intelligence agency is saying, ah, Mm. pretty much everybody thinks like the world's other superpowers pretty convinced that not one guy did this. Exactly. And then they're like, okay, well don't tell anybody. Just wanted you to know. And let's just keep it secret.
4: That's so strange, man. It,
3: It feels strange now, but we have to, we have to understand one of the, one of the most vulnerable points of any any state power's existence is always going to be the succession, right? The passage of power from one – typically one individual to another. So, for instance, in the case of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, North Korea, one of the things that is always a, a, a big flashpoint and really dangerous part of time for the world, not just in that region, is when they pass from father to son.
6: Don't know what's going to happen.
3: You know, look at, look at, uh, Turkey, right? Yeah. Look at Italy. The, this, so in the context of the time, this is very, very dangerous for the US. It is vulnerable now in a way that it has not been, right?
4: At least for a long, long time. Since the, probably the death of Lincoln is the last time that it was that vulnerable.
5: And, uh, let's see one more example maybe. Absolutely. OK, so for our last entry for the day, we have a document, a top secret document from 1975 uh, that was created for the Rockefeller Commission. And in this document, there is a transcript of a testimony of a former CIA director by the name of Richard Helms. And in this document, um, Helms says that he believes that former president Richard Nixon, old tricky dicky believed that the CIA uh, was actually directly responsible for assassinating the South Vietnamese president, Go Den Diem, who died after a coup that was linked to the Central Intelligence Agency. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got a quote from Helms himself, right? We do indeed. It goes as follows, quote, there is absolutely no evidence of this in the agency records. And the whole thing has been, I mean, rather, what is the word I want? Heated by the fact that President Johnson used to go around saying that the reason President Kennedy was assassinated was that he had assassinated President Deem. And this was just justice.
4: And then Holmes adds uh, where he got this from. I don't know. And this, just
5: yeah, yeah, this is during a
3: deposition, uh, and that was the context of the conversation is that Helms was asked uh, if there was any way Oswald was in some way a CIA agent or an asset
2: mm-hmm.
4: or an operative or an agent of something else, and that's right when the document ends.
3: But is this when the story ends? We've given just a few examples, right? Uh, and I know that this episode is, is running a little, a, little, a little long because we're, we're digging into this stuff. But the big question is, is this the whole story? That's where one document ends. Where does the story end? Are we finally, in 2017, up to speed on exactly what the U.S. intelligence agency did or did not know regarding this assassination?
4: I, 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 don't, I don't think we're there.
3: Here's where it gets crazy. Some of these files that we mentioned, right, are still secret. They were all supposed to be released and, uh, they were released under, if you're listening to this in the future, they were released under the, um, auspice of the Trump administration, mm-hmm. right? But not all of them were released. They were supposed to be and we have no idea when or even if the other stuff will ever make it into the public sphere. In the 11th hour, right, before this stuff went uh, public, became declassified, intelligence agencies, the FBI, the CIA, all your favorite alphabet soup members mm-hmm. of uh, of the U.S. government, uh, they pressured Trump successfully or pressured the administration, I should say, successfully to keep some of this stuff secret past the due date uh, in light of everybody's favorite boogeyman, national security. National security, what does that mean? It's just like tagging base, you know? Okay. You know, like, uh, anytime you don't want to tell the public something, you go, oh, national security, you know? I'd say, I wish I could do that in my private life.
5: For the good of the realm. For the good <laughs> oh, of the realm. nice. Can That's we a... just
3: say that from now on? We can, we can try it. Well, let's have, let's,
4: uh, let's, Let's call up some of our friends over there in the intelligence agencies and just say, hey, man, from now on, if you're going to say national security. Dude,
5: those guys are not your friends.
4: I've been on the phone with the FBI field office a couple of times now working on this other stuff. I think I've got some sway. I know Paul. Paul's got sway all over Atlanta right now. Super can, producer Paul. Yeah. yeah. He can make some calls and just be like, guys, it's now for the good of the realm.
5: One call. That's Paul. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> that's, really,
3: that's pretty good. Better uh, call Paul so so, unless you are as fortunate as the three of us to have a super producer like Paul right in in your circle, uh you are probably lost at sea a little bit conceptually when you hear the phrase "national security it's one of those. Words that just gets thrown around willy-nilly the same way that people used to add the, uh, the descriptor digital in front of everything in the 90s. Didn't matter what it was. If it was digital, you could charge $5 more. So national security in this context could mean several things. Uh, let's break down into, let's say, three or four things. First is preventing the spread of intelligence techniques, strategies, spycraft. Highly important.
5: Absolutely. It's the methods of gathering intelligence, not mm-hmm. the intelligence itself.
3: Right, right. Because if somebody else knows how this stuff was gathered, then the jig is up. Yeah. They yep. can protect against it. Right, exactly. This is an understandable concern, right? In However,
4: theory. we're talking about, what, 1960s and prior to that, maybe a little bit after that. But mostly you're dealing with before the assassination. Mm-hmm. So, late 50s, early 60s technology.
3: So if this stuff is held back to protect techniques from the 1940s that to are literally 60s, on
5: display in spy museums yes. around the country. Right. Yes.
3: Then the question becomes can you plausibly believe, right, apply critical thinking, mm. can you plausibly believe that some of the world's most well funded intelligence operatives would still be using the same techniques for decades? Of course not.
4: Well, I I have to just Interject here and say, "I think some of the techniques are very much human and psychologically based. That's a good cheer. that perhaps may be existing in some of these
3: documents. Human, right? Not yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, which are the the shortened terms for human intelligence mm-hmm. versus signals intelligence? The second the second um, category here, genre of national security, would be to protect." The existing relationship between the United States and a foreign government. Clearly very important. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, you know, we have a lot of what did – uh somebody just called this on NPR, called China and the United States frenemies. But it's <laughs> – we have a lot of those that we've cultivated over the years, those relationships.
3: There is no such thing as friendship in a geopolitical sphere. There are interests that align.
4: Exactly. Interests that align temporarily. Or you know maybe in the long term for a specific thing.
3: Sure. So yeah, I completely agree. Uh, now we have another question. If information is being withheld to protect the relationship, the confidential relationship between two countries, then this would mean that there could either be privileged knowledge. Somebody maybe has a skeleton in the closet, mm-hmm. right? Maybe maybe the Soviet Union knows something that the U.S. public doesn't, right? Yeah. Uh, or there could be collusion on the part of another country, right? No, that would
5: never happen. No,
3: not here, man. That's crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy talk, right? Uh, and one example of this would, of course, as we mentioned, the be the USSR's efforts to spread propaganda after the assassination or – of course, similar attempts by the U.S. in other foreign countries. Very similar attempts. we mm-hmm. the worst.
4: Strikingly we similar. We are the
3: worst. <laughs> so here's the, here's, the, here's the third genre. Yeah, here. Uh, It could be – when they say national security, it could mean protecting the lives of current or former government officials, right? So let's say one of the theories we hear a lot about JFK is that a secret service member accidentally fired the fatal shot. Yeah, that's one of right? the theories. As one of the theories, mm-hmm. right? Again, unproven, right? Yeah. So what is, when we talk about government conspiracies, there's people often go to the idea of some great collusion in advance, right? The, the same, the same institution that cannot for the life of it figure out how to do effective policy is also capable of these supervillain level, uh, Rube Goldberg machinations, right? Yeah,
4: it does. It, Occam's razor lends itself to covering up a mistake.
3: Right. So how much more realistic is it that someone screwed up and, uh, the people are trying to Remove that from history. So imagine being a retired official and the public learns that you did something negligent, right? Mm-hmm. accidental, unintentional, and then you find yourself up a very dangerous creek with no paddle whatsoever, especially in the age of cheap information. Totally. So in conclusion
4: here, guys, mm-hmm.
3: the craziest thing
4: is that at least according to Trump's Twitter feed, he has – Uh, released everything, uh, and long ahead of schedule. That's what he's saying. However, it seems pretty certain that there's at least a small number of documents that remain hidden. Uh, it seems pretty clear. But what we do have is thousands more documents to tread through. And, you know, as researchers and Uh, historians and interns are going through all of this stuff, you know, perhaps there's going to be some new revelation. Maybe not the kind of thing that I'm was hoping for after all of these years, but
5: something. Surely they wouldn't let it out, though, man. I mean, you know, they, they, they know what's in there they're giving people something to play with and and you know feel good about or whatever feel like informed but there's not going to be an answer the government wouldn't allow that to happen
3: I, I don't i don't think and if it's a if it's a case of national security then again the implications are dangerous it's 2017 yeah and if that stuff still applies i think we can all agree i think we can all agree folks that the idea of protecting a spycraft technique from the 40s to the 60s Again,
5: doesn't pan out. It's like tape recorders and suitcases, dude. Like they, they're on display, like in the spy right, museum right, in see right. It's
4: I don't know. Well, in my opinion, there's still the possibility that there's a needle inside this haystack, yeah. but mm-hmm. just we there hasn't been enough time and enough human hands and eyes working through
5: it. So, will you at least agree with me that the government knows exactly what's in there, though? Or, or, I mean, mm, again,
4: we're dealing with the octopus with the different arms. I don't arms. know if they do. So yeah, I I don't
3: know if everybody knows because they, were, yeah there are factions at play. You there know are factions, I
4: mean? and it's been a long time. And humans die. That's mm. the one thing we all do.
3: Now is there is there something there? There must be. There there must be. Otherwise, the intelligence agencies would not have. Pressured the current administration so strongly mm-hmm. not to release some stuff.
4: In the previous several.
3: Ran the previous several. So there is, there is something, something is rotten in this particular Denmark, right? So are you planning on going through these files? You can do it.
4: You can find them. Literally search new JFK files and you will find the National Archives link that has a spreadsheet in it and it also has every single file on Mm -hmm. that website. So if you have an internet connection Mm -hmm. and a little chutzpah, you can get in there and just start doing it because I've been going through it for the past several days, just trying to find things, but there's just too much. And like we said, you're going to find all kinds of weird phrases in there. Um, and there's something I want to point everyone to if you're going to look into this. It's the Mary Farrell Foundation's CIA Cryptomes 2.0. It's a really cool website. You can go to M-A-R-Y-F-E-R-R-E-L-L dot org and you can find this thing. And it has a huge list that's crowdsourced of all these different acronyms and stuff that are used by all the intelligence agencies to represent certain things. And it's fascinating when you go through these documents and you see a legend
5: kind of like like it actually gives you like a little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And
4: it's it's not just a, you know. Uh, IBEX, o-, o O B IBEX equals this or, you know, whatever it is. It gives you a full description of all the different ways that it can be used, That's things that cool. it can refer to. It's, it's really neat.
3: I'm on that as soon as we wrap here. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you find. And while you're online – Find us if you haven't already. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. We have names that are all approximations of conspiracy stuff. Yes. You know, and, uh, we would love to hear your opinion specifically. Have you already looked into this? Do you think that there is something important yet to be revealed?
4: Did we miss something? Let us know and we'll put it in the shout out.
3: Mm-hmm. And speaking of shout outs, we want to thank everybody who wrote in uh, to us via various different things, you know, uh, social media, snail
5: mail, uh,
3: mirrors in the dark at midnight. Cables. Cables.
5: We see all of it. We had it slotted in, actually, for this episode, but it has run pretty excessively long, so we're going to hold it back for the next one. But we, you know, I know we don't do it every episode, but we're Mm going to try to get back into doing the the shout-out corner.
3: We have a – actually we have a a um, astonishing piece of correspondence that we received recently yes uh and we want to give it its full due so please do tune in next week because uh unlike the US government we actually release revelatory things. That's right. <laughs> Until we get hey, shot. That was
5: a sick burn on the U.S. government. I'm,
3: you know, I'm punchy today, man. I'm and the, punchy.
4: With, without actually going to shout out corner, we want to give a huge shout out to Samuel who sent us something in the snail mail. Mm-hmm. Some uh, Can we just say what it is? Yeah, is yeah, signet it. rings. Mm-hmm. They go on your pinky and you can seal documents with wax with them. Yep. I took the one that has the alien head. Uh, I'm very excited about it.
5: Mine's sort of like a Looks sort of like a Coca-Pele kind of figure. Ooh. I don't think that's what it is, but, uh, Samuel, what is it? What's, what's the squiggly one? I, I took it because I thought it was neat looking, but I don't quite know what it is. Ben's, yours is a Illuminati mm-hmm. triangle, right? The all-seeing eye. Yeah. Uh, so we will put pictures of
3: these rings up and go check us out on Instagram. Uh, our, our producer's giving us a, a little bit of a, where are you going with this guys? Up. Yeah, wrap it, up. wrap it up. We're getting the wrap it up. Uh, uh, so we are going to wrap it up, and we're going to end this with the most important piece of information for you, which is
4: hey, hey guys!
3: Oh man, yeah, George, George. If you, if you don't want to do all the social media rigmarole, uh-huh. uh
4: huh, you can find us or uh, write us an email. We are
3: conspiracy at
4: howstuffworks.com.